Good Thursday morning, a weather emergency playing out overnight. Yeah, massive tornadoes ripping through parts of the South and Midwest. It's April 20th. This is Today. Direct hit. I think we got a tornado right there. There's a tornado. At least two people killed, dozens hurt in a small town just south of Oklahoma City. Crews now searching through debris for survivors and the threat of even more severe weather not over. We'll have the full forecast just ahead. New details. We're learning more about the disturbing rash of shootings across the country. One of them, a Texas cheerleader in her uniform at the time, now fighting for her life. The girls are going to have a long road of emotional recovery after this. Just ahead, the growing demands for justice from coast to coast. Supreme Court showdown, the justices extending nationwide access to a commonly used abortion pill through tomorrow. What sparked that move and when they could now decide the drug's fate? Uncertain future, Tiger Woods undergoes surgery less than two weeks after withdrawing from the Masters in obvious pain. That is not easy to see. What his agent is saying about the star's recovery and why he is not putting a timetable on Tiger's return to golf. Those stories plus summer travel boom. Airlines preparing for a record number of passengers while facing new concerns over pilot shortages. So how will this impact your vacation? We'll ask Captain Sully Sullenberger. And 50 Shades of Yay, groundbreaking new discoveries on why people go gray and a potential way to reverse it. An inside look at what some are calling the Holy Grail. Today, Thursday, April 20th, 2023. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Oda Cutby. Live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Well, good morning. Good to see you. Welcome to today. We're happy that you're joining us on this Thursday morning. And we want to get right to our top story. Those deadly tornadoes causing devastation overnight in the central United States. At least 15 reported across three states. It's been a very hard night in the small town of Cole, Oklahoma, decimated in just minutes. At least two people were killed there. The search for survivors continues this morning. As we said, severe weather not over yet. That system is still making its way across the region, leading to new watches, new warnings. We're going to have the very latest on the forecast and a live interview with one of the first responders in Oklahoma in just a moment. But let's start with NBC's Jesse Kirsch, who's covering it for us. Hey, Jesse, good morning. Hoda, good morning. In Oklahoma alone, more thousands of people without power and officials say at least two people have been killed following more than a dozen reported twisters hitting multiple states. I think we got a tornado right there. There's a tornado. Oh, it's getting bigger. Overnight, reports of multiple tornadoes ripping through the middle of the country. Massive tornado. Roughly 25 miles outside Oklahoma City, homes and structures in the small town of Cole were shredded in just minutes. Complete chaos. You know, we walked outside, trees everywhere. There's metal everywhere. Just everything's, you know, just destroyed. Dozens were injured, and hundreds of first responders have been searching for survivors, worried the number of deaths may rise. It is reasonable to expect possibly more based on the damage that we've seen. In Shawnee, Oklahoma, nightfall bringing more fear and extensive damage. This is a violent, large circulation here, and it could produce a large, violent tornado. Students at Oklahoma Baptist University seeking shelter and returning to chaos. Well, like the mattresses like just flew everywhere. 
I went back to check on my room when we got released. There's glass everywhere. My window is gone. My room is a whole mess. The National Weather Service issued tornado and severe thunderstorm warnings in Oklahoma, Iowa, and Kansas, where a reported twister touched down in Strong City. All right, we got a tornado. Relentless winds toppled trees and knocked out power for more than 20,000 customers throughout Oklahoma. Massive hail pummeling the ground. Another spring storm leaving tragedy and destruction in its wake. This is really the worst storm that this town has ever seen. Today into tonight, 27 million at risk of severe weather, more large hail and a few tornadoes possible with communities that have already been hit picking up what's left. Hoda. All right, Jesse Kirsch for us there. Jesse, thank you. And joining us now is McLean County Deputy Sheriff Scott Gibbons, who was on the scene in coal throughout the night, headed back there as we speak. Deputy, good mm. morning to you. Can you describe the damage and the devastation that you've witnessed? We've, uh, this is one of the, been the most significant tornadoes that we've received in that area. Um, with Oklahoma, we're used to tornadoes to some degree, um, but each time we experience this, it never gets easier. Um, the small town of Cole, which is in the middle of our county, McLean County, Oklahoma, uh, is roughly a 600-person population, roughly 15 square miles. Uh, at nightfall, uh, a good portion of that town was affected uh, by the tornado. Uh, we won't know a lot until daybreak. Yeah, you know, uh, Deputy, tell us a little bit about the search and rescue. I know that there was an alarm that sounded to alert residents 15 minutes before the tornado hit. It gave people some time to take shelter. So now you're in a search and rescue mode. Tell us how that is going and what we know. So we're very fortunate that within our area, a lot of our folks heeded the warnings that uh, local media and newscasters put out. Um, we had responded to multiple residences that had people trapped within their shelters. Um, so those warnings did go um, where they were supposed to and put people in their shelters. Um, a lot of folks may not have made it um, outside of that. Um, like we previously spoke, we do have two confirmed fatalities. One was at the scene. Um, one was a person who was being transported from the scene um, who appears to have passed of a heart-related issue um, in combination with the, the storm. Well, Deputy Sheriff, the images are just devastating. I know it's been a long night for you. Appreciate you spending some time this morning, sir. Thank you. We wish you the best of luck. Thank you. all Have a great morning. Be safe. Thank you. Thank you. Well, difficult times there. Let's get more on those powerful storms, where they're headed, what we can expect. Let's bring in NBC meteorologist Bill Karens. He's in for Al, who's on assignment. Hey, Bill. Hey, good morning. So you can see it was still dark. So we still don't know the full scope of all the damage that was done. Coal was hit right before sunset. That's why we have some of those helicopter aerials showing you the destroyed houses. But we had 15 other tornadoes throughout the region. So we have showed you all the pictures from Oklahoma City. We had a bunch reported just north of Wichita and a bunch also just south of Omaha in areas of Iowa. The tornado threat has ended, so that's the good part. We still have a chance of some damaging winds. By the next hour or so in Kansas City, is going to be pretty rough with those storms rolling through. And then we get a break the rest of the morning. Then this afternoon, the heating of the day, the humidity, the storms are going to fire up again. That 27 million people at risk from St. Louis to Little Rock, Dallas to Fort Worth area, Arlington back down to San Antonio and Austin, and large hail is the biggest threat today. We could see baseball to even maybe softball-sized hail. So, again, it doesn't look like tornadoes will be the biggest threat today. Hail, unlike yesterday.
All right, Bill, we'll keep uh, checking back in. Thank you. And now to this string of shootings in the spotlight this week, including that tragedy in Texas. A group of cheerleaders shot in a grocery store parking lot after one of them accidentally got into the wrong car. An 18-year-old victim is still in critical condition this morning. We've got complete coverage. Let's start with NBC's Katie Beck, who's in Austin for us. Katie, good morning. Good morning, Savannah. Peyton Washington was just days away from the biggest cheerleading competition of the year. Her father actually tells NBC News she was wearing her cheerleading uniform when she was shot. Now, instead of joining her teammates in Orlando this weekend for that competition, she'll be recovering here in the intensive care unit. In Texas, a high school cheerleader is in critical condition this morning. After police say a man fired a gun at her and three teammates who accidentally approached the wrong car following a late night practice. The girls are going to have a long road of emotional recovery after this. Authorities arrested Pedro Tello Rodriguez Jr., charging him with deadly conduct, a third degree felony. I'm Peyton Washington on Woodlands Elite Generals. Peyton Washington is one of two teens who were shot and injured in a supermarket parking lot early Tuesday morning. Washington's father speaking out, telling NBC News the shooter showed his weapon and then, quote, just started shooting at the girls. Keelan Washington adding, you watched her walk up to your door on accident. It's a girl in a cheer outfit. He says the 18-year-old who was struck in her leg and back had to have her spleen removed. Peyton, who's no stranger to health challenges, having been born with one lung, earned a tumbling scholarship at Baylor University. She's extremely tough. Washington's teammate, Heather Roth, was grazed by a bullet in her leg, but is expected to compete this weekend in her final high school cheer competition. Tuesday's shooting in Texas, one of several making national headlines this week of young people injured or even killed for mistakenly being in the wrong place. In upstate New York, 20-year-old Kaylin Gillis was shot and killed after she turned into the wrong driveway while looking for a friend's house, according to the police. Kaylin was an amazing young lady. We all loved her so much. She was so kind. The alleged gunman, Kevin Monahan was arrested and charged with second-degree murder. He's pleaded not guilty. Gillis's father pleading for justice for his daughter, who he says dreamed of becoming a marine biologist. For this man to sit on his porch and fire at a car with no threat just angers me so badly. The Woodland Elite cheer team has actually set up a GoFundMe page to help with Peyton's medical expenses as she recovers in the ICU. So far, it's raised over $100,000. Savannah? Senseless is the word, Katie. Thank you very much. Meantime, the Kansas City homeowner who's charged in that shooting of a 16-year-old who rang his doorbell, made his first appearance in court yesterday. NBC's Maggie Vespa was inside the courtroom. Hey, Maggie, good morning. Hey, Hoda, good morning. Yeah, that's right. We watched here at the Clay County Courthouse as 84-year-old Andrew Lester pleaded not guilty to the charges against him inside that courtroom. The judge ordering him to turn over all weapons as a condition of his bond. This as Lester's ex-wife speaks out overnight about what happened and the family of the boy who was shot reveals more about the depth of his pain. 
After nearly a week of unrest in Kansas City, the 84-year-old white homeowner charged with shooting a black teen who rang his doorbell, pleading not guilty in a Missouri courtroom. The judge yesterday ordering Andrew Lester, who used a cane and spoke softly, to turn over all weapons and have zero contact with 16-year-old Ralph Yarl. He's going to spend the rest of his life in prison. That's, that's an outcome that we're hoping for. According to court documents, Lester claimed the boy rang his doorbell and pulled the door's handle and that he thought someone was trying to break in. Justice for Ralph! Justice for Ralph! Public fury fueled by the family story that Ralph, hoping to pick up his brothers, went to the wrong home and only rang the doorbell. Moments later, shot in the head and arm. Lester's ex-wife speaking out overnight, telling the New York Times that though they haven't spoken in decades, she remembers their 14-year marriage as troubled and that he was prone to fits of rage, smashing objects in their home when he was angry. Quote, it doesn't surprise me what happened, she told the Times. Meanwhile, Ralph's recovery only beginning. A new photo shows the high school junior out of the hospital and smiling with his attorney. Though his family says the teen is struggling to process the pain of what happened, he also feels immense support from the public. He's loving the love that he's getting from everyone. He is, of course, he's not back to Ralph, but he's alive and he's healthy. Even celebrities like Justin Timberlake and Jennifer Hudson demanding justice. A GoFundMe topping $3.3 million. A teen just starting to heal as the criminal case tied to his tragedy moves forward. NBC News has made multiple attempts to reach Andrew Lester and as of yesterday, his new attorney. And so far, those attempts have been unsuccessful. And that includes yesterday here at the courthouse when we were hoping to speak to him after the arraignment. But we were told Andrew Lester came and went through a private entrance. County prosecutors say he faces the possibility of life in prison. All right, Maggie Vest before us there. Maggie, thank you. Also this morning, there are new developments in the legal showdown over a commonly used abortion pill. It will remain widely available, at least for another day, after the Supreme Court extended its pause on that lower court ruling that sought to limit access to the drug. The move gives the justices a bit more time to decide whether to uphold the pill's decades-old FDA approval or let it play out in the lower court. So let's break it down with NBC's senior legal correspondent, Laura Jarrett. Laura, it's a little unusual, isn't it, to say, I mean, sort of like turning in your homework a little late. Can I just have two more days? Which, you know, what might the Supreme Court be looking at in 48 hours that could help them decide this this matter? Something is clearly going on behind the scenes right now. I think it's just a question of who's writing what and what exactly it's going to say. Perhaps one or more of the justices want to write a dissent. Perhaps the chief justice wants to write something on behalf of the whole court, and they're going back and forth and negotiating exactly what it's going to say. We don't know yet exactly what is going on, uh, but I think it's clear that the delay speaks to something, some some type of negotiation. And remember, what the Justice Department wants here is a full stay, which would be a full pause of that lower court decision, because it says it would essentially cause chaos. Every single pill on the market right now in existence would have to be immediately removed because it would be rendered illegal if that lower court decision actually stands. So, the, I mean, the court has a few options here, yeah. one of which would be unusual, but perhaps on these facts, the Supreme Court could say, we're going to just take this case right now on the merits, let it be briefed out because you 
let's not forget, there's a Texas ruling that says one thing. Yeah. There's a Washington state ruling that says the opposite. This question before the court right now is whether to just pause it and let it play out in the lower courts. How do you see this playing out? What are the options? Yeah, here? you have those you have those two conflicting decisions. And then you also have another new lawsuit just yesterday brought in Maryland by the generic drug manufacturer because it says if that lower court decision goes into effect, its rights would be affected because the generic version is actually the pill that most women use. And those lower court decision would rip it off the market as well. And so given all of those complications, this may be one of those unique times where the court says, we're going to grab the case for ourselves right now. Now, if it does that, again, the question is, do they keep that stay in place of the lower court decision or do they allow this to go into effect? I would think if they're going to take it for themselves, they'll probably keep the lower court decisions on hold for now and let the case be briefed out, maybe even before summer recess. It's getting a little late in the day, perhaps even kick the can further down to the fall. Well, maybe this is why they need more time. It's pretty complicated. (laughs) Laura, thank you very much. All right. It is one of the telltale signs of aging. It's when your hair starts to go gray. However, there could be some good news on the horizon for anybody who would prefer to keep their original color. So here's what it is. Researchers at NYU say they may have discovered what causes hair to go gray in the first place. They say color-producing stem cells become stuck in the hair follicle as the person gets older. Well, those stem cells aren't able to properly mature or get the necessary signals from the body to produce the color. So the next step is to figure out how to free those stuck <laughs> cells and reverse the graying process. Can you imagine? No. This This is like the Rosetta Stone. It really hair. is. It's amazing. Come on. Sounds extremely complicated yes, when there's just for men wait, or women, whatever. And look you, at this. I mean, gray on. is so distinguished. I don't come believe on. the science at all what? on this. No, really? I tell my kids it's because of them 100%. <laughs> yeah, you blame I have the before and after pictures of before my kids and after. So. I know. I actually once tried to pluck my, I was like in my yeah. 20s. My mom had a gray hair and I tried, to, I said, you want me to pluck it? She goes, no, I earned it. Well, I heard said, it. Yes. And people answer. would say it would multiply. If you yeah. did one, and then like, it would be 20, right? So. Okay. Well, Bill, <laughs> you look very authoritative. <laughs> yeah. Distinguished. That's yeah. great. Yeah. So we'll go let's with, hear yeah, this We'll go forecast. with that. So I uh, hope everyone's ready for another blast of spring and warmth and air conditioning weather. On the East Coast, it's been like, turn the heat on, turn the heat off, turn the air conditioning on. And that's going to be the case once again today. Near record highs the next two days. D.C. could be near 90 degrees today and tomorrow. And then our poor friends in the northern plains, like Fargo, you're dealing with river flooding. And it's going to snow once again at the same time. So a lot of weather extremes across the country. And, of course, all our thoughts on the cleanup from last night's tornado outbreak in the middle of the nation. That's a look at your Thursday forecast. All right, Bill, thank you. Uh, Still ahead, new questions about Tiger Woods' future in golf golf after he underwent another surgery. Kaylee Hartung is on that story for us. Hey, Kaylee. Hey, Hoda. As long as Tiger Woods can swing a club, golf fans will be thrilled to watch him, but it is unlikely we will get to see that anytime soon. With news of this latest surgery coming up, we'll tell you what medical experts say about how long it could take him to get back on the course. All right, Kaylee, thanks. And then we're going to take a closer look at your summer travel outlook. The airlines and the TSA bracing for record crowds, while pilots and other key positions are getting harder to fill. What does it mean for you? We'll have the latest in a conversation with Captain Sully Sullenberger. But first, this is today on NBC. You have no assets, you have no savings, you rent your Malibu pad, and you're way too generous with your cash. When stuff's like manure, bro, you don't spread it around, it starts to stink up the place. But, dude, 
We need fertilizer. We gotta like fertilize the money tree so it can keep growing. About that, Brock, can you float me a few bills, man? Yeah. Okay, why are we showing this to you? I mean, first of all, good to have a giggle, isn't yeah, it, yeah, on a yeah. Thursday morning? Okay, 7.30 now. Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson, they have shared the screen many, many times. They have shared movies and TV shows. They're best buds. But do they actually share DNA? Are they actually Come brothers? Come First of all, once you start thinking about it and looking it at them, sense. it seems possible. They're actually talking about it in some new interviews. Wait, There's like a whole story doing an, a with swab? Matthew's mom. Well, I don't know. Okay, I think it's very plausible it when is. you look at the two of them. It could also be a publicity stunt totally. for their new project. Totally. But, but we choose not to be cynical. This is a Maybe. mission for yeah. Popstart. <laughs> exactly. Okay, we'll have it a little bit. But let's start this half hour with golf superstar Tiger Woods. Yeah, uh, Tiger is now recovering from ankle surgery. In wake of that painful Masters, we saw him withdraw from this year's first major. He was limping around. NBC's Kaylee Hartung joins us now with the very latest. Hey, Kaylee, good morning. Hey, good morning, ladies. This is just the latest surgery for Tiger after that 2021 car crash nearly cost him his right leg. His comeback last year was nothing short of miraculous. And as much as golf fans love to see him make his 23rd consecutive cut at the Masters earlier this month, it was hard to watch him struggle just to walk the course. Now there is no timeline for when or if we'll see him tee it up again. Tiger Woods' future on the golf course in jeopardy after another surgery on his ankle. The golf legend sharing on Twitter that he underwent surgery Wednesday in New York to address post-traumatic arthritis from a previous ankle fracture. Orthopedic surgeon Dr. Vonda Wright, who did not treat Woods, says it can take at least three months to heal under the best of circumstances. Subtalar fusions are usually done with very large screws, not unlike the diameter of this pen. Woods saying he's now recovering and looking forward to rehabilitation, which experts say can take up to a year. Now we won't have as much flexibility front and back, but most importantly, side to side. And look at a golf course. You can't go anywhere in a golf course without uneven ground and needing side to side motion. Woods last teed off at the Masters earlier this month. The difficulty for me is going to be the walking going forward. But it wasn't easy for him on the grounds of Augusta National. The five-time Masters winner, visibly in pain, limping across the course. Woods pulled out of the tournament in the third round, then tweeting that he re-aggravated his plantar fasciitis. Tiger Woods' injury history is almost as long as his championship history. By our count, he is now in double digits in terms of surgery, and those are the ones that we know of. Since that horrific car crash shattered his right leg two years ago, Tiger's been in the biggest fight of his career to return to form. I think he's confronting both reality and mortality. I think he recognizes what's going on here. Nobody knows more than he does how difficult this has been for him to do. Just weeks ago, the 47-year-old reflected on his journey and when it might come to an end. Does it ever cross your mind this could be the last time? Yes, it has. I don't know how many more I have in me. So I'm sure a, lot, a lot's going through Tiger's mind. What, do you, what other factors, factors do you think will factor into his decision? Yeah, well, Hoda, as our NBC Sports golf analyst Jimmy Roberts pointed out to me, Tiger is currently tied for the most PGA Tour wins of all time. All he needs is one win to own that record. And, and Jimmy said he'd imagine that has got to be very meaningful 
for Tiger to pursue. Now, it seems unlikely he'll be able to play in a major championship this year, but Tiger has spent a lifetime defying people's expectations, guys. All right, Kaylee, uh, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Just ahead this morning, the harrowing rescue of a father and daughter was caught on tape, their jet ski suddenly sinking. Plus, the important new message on water safety they now want to share. But first, inside the airline's race to get ready for what is expected to be a record summer travel season. And this is all amid uh, concerns of a pilot shortage. We're going to talk about all of it with Captain Sully Schellenberger right after this. Back now, 739 with In-Depth today. And if you're planning to fly this summer, you're going to want to pay attention to this one. Yes, airlines and aviation officials are forecasting another challenging travel season ahead. In a moment, we're going to talk about that and some possible solutions with Captain Sully Sullenberger. But first, NBC's Tom Costello joins us to set the table. Hi, Tom. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. You know, we all remember the chaos at America's airports last summer. Too few pilots and ground staff, thousands of flights canceled with passengers surging back. While the major airlines have managed to hire and train more pilots, the nation's regional airlines are warning they are facing an acute shortage of pilots, which could threaten service to small airports nationwide. And this summer could be a record breaker. Countdown to the summer getaway, and don't expect an open middle seat. It's shaping up to be another season of crowded airports and packed planes. Good morning. How you doing? I'm good. The head of the TSA tells Bloomberg the agency is preparing for a record number of air passengers throughout the summer, comfortably above pre-pandemic numbers. With airports in Orlando, Dallas, Houston, and East Coast hubs, all expected to be the busiest. With demand surging, American Airlines is joining Delta and United in temporarily cutting back some flights into New York airports, citing air traffic controller shortages. It follows a nationwide pilot shortage, which has been easing in recent months as the major carriers ramp up hiring and training. Still, many regional airlines are struggling to find enough pilots. As some in the industry call for changing pilot qualification and training standards to address the shortage. The head of the Airline Pilots Association says that is a non-starter. This is no time to weaken safety standards. We visited United's Flight Training Center in Denver last year, where the airline trains new and veteran pilots around the clock. You're hitting the wind shear a little bit, so... Yep, all right, wind shear going around. The FAA requires pilots to go through simulator training every nine months, honing their skills and preparing for the unlikely emergency. Meanwhile, pressure is building on Southwest Airlines after that technical glitch on Tuesday caused nearly 2,500 airline flights to be delayed. Southwest says data connection issues were to blame. But it follows its meltdown last December when outdated systems led to more than 16,000 of its flights being canceled, 2 million passengers stranded. So what can you do to prepare for travel this summer? Given the flights are already filling up, experts say buy your tickets now. Hopper.com reports domestic summer airfares will be nearly 18% more expensive than in 2019 pre-pandemic. Back to the pilot shortage at the regional airlines. You know, there's been talk of raising the mandatory retirement age from 65 to 67, but the unions and most airlines oppose that. And there's been talk of lowering the required hours pilots must have to become a commercial pilot. 
but there's not much support for that at all right now. So good time to become a pilot if you're a young person looking for a career. Savannah? All right, Tom, thank you. Well, joining us with more perspective, a pilot who spent more than a half century flying and really needs no introduction, Captain Chesley Sully Sullenberger, of course, who was behind 2009's Miracle on the Hudson, expertly landing his jet in the New York River after losing both mm-hmm. engines after takeoff. Captain Sullenberger, good morning. And you're the perfect person to talk about this because there is a pilot mm-hmm. shortage. It is a problem. Some people say, well, okay, raise the retirement Mm -hmm. age. Maybe that's a solution. Reduce the number of training hours. Maybe that's the solution. Where do you fall on this debate and how do you fix this pilot shortage problem? Well, it's great to be with you. And as you just noted, you know, our first officer on that flight, Jeff Skiles and I were suddenly confronted with the emergency of a lifetime. And so I know firsthand what's at stake and what it takes. And that experience can literally make the difference between success and failure, life and death. So uh, diminishing the standards now is absolutely the worst thing we could do, especially after all the aviation incidents we've had lately. What we should be doing instead is looking at it very differently. We need to find more and better ways to have well-defined pathways and some financial assistance to be able to arm pilots with the knowledge skill and experience that they need to be able to do the job and keep all their passengers and crews safe. You talk about experience and that brings us to the retirement age. The retirement age now is 65. Some are proposing moving it a couple of years to 67. We hear the airlines and the uh, unions are against that. Where do you stand on that issue? That would be a band-aid at best. It would buy you a little time. Uh, what would be more effective is if we have a national com- uh, you know, conversation about this and probably in a government industry partnership to really more encourage more people to, to join aviation and uh, do some financial assistance to, to widen the catchment area that we can have more people come into the aviation industry and not just in pilots and flight attendants, but aviation uh, maintenance technicians, agents and many others, especially after COVID, many industries are understaffed and they're stressed. And that's where we find ourselves in aviation right now. Well, it's a complex problem, but great to have an expert on to discuss it. Captain Sullenberger, thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. Great to be with you. All right. 744. What do you say we get another check of the weather? We got Bill Cairns in the house. Hi, Bill. Uh, what is going on? Weather has returned. You remember like a couple of days yeah. ago when yeah. it was like 90 and everyone was like, what's happening on the East yeah. Coast? Well, that's going to return abnormally warm weather. It's short-lived. It's one or two days. And this may be the warmest that many areas in the Ohio Valley and the East Coast will be for like three or four weeks. So if you like summertime warmth, enjoy the next two days because uh, it's going to cool off in a hurry this weekend. But today, Chicago, 75. Cincinnati, 84. Near 90 in northern Virginia today. 19 degrees warmer than it should be. Some of that warmth sneaks up into New York City, 77 on Friday. Very unusually warm, near record highs in areas of central New York, too. But it will come crashing down and cool off with some rain on the East Coast as we go through your Saturday and into your Sunday. Notice Boston, only temperatures in the 50s. The opposite of all this is all the cool conditions in the West. We're still snowing in some of the mountainous areas. Highs today only in the 50s in Denver and areas of the Northwest still dealing with a little bit of rain and a little bit of snow. Typical spring, right? We got some heat, we got some severe storms, and we got a little bit of snow. And that's a look at your forecast. Back to you. All right, Bill, thank you. Uh, Guys, coming up, this is a wild Hollywood storyline that's going around. Could Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson, there they are, 
Could they actually Look be brothers? That. Yes. Literally brothers, what the stars themselves are saying this morning about that theory. Mm. Okay, and then we're going to do some uh, work to get ready for swimsuit season. It's on, Carson, and mm. all sorts of diets are out there. So we're going to get some it. expert advice on choosing the right one for your lifestyle, right? <laughs> yeah. Or just do what we do, wear a captain.